We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. Just going through the Old Testament, this is a, a lot more than I usually do. I usually like, I like to do like seven verses at a time, you know, something like that. But just kind of going through a couple of chapters, it's kind of cool because you get a bird's eye picture. And not only that, going through the Bible, especially this section of Kings and Chronicles, you see things that kind of are repeated over and over and over again. Because, you know, these things were written not just for us to have some information. These things were for transformation. These were not just for them chronicling history. They are for us today that God would do a work in our life. You know, and one of the things that we see about the Kings is that, you know, so many of them started off well. And so many of them finished, like, man, we're talking crazy, terrible, you know, and, and some of them, maybe they fell away, uh, others, maybe they just died, uh, saved soul, wasted life, you know, what about you? You know, it's been said that everybody starts good, everybody does, because you've got to start good, you've got to get saved, but how will we finish? That's the, that's the big question. That's why, you know, it's almost dangerous nowadays to quote guys that are still alive. Because you quote them and everybody thinks they're all that, you know, this great, you know, spiritual giant. Next thing you know, homeboy falls into sexual sin or whatever it might be. And, and you see it so frequently. And that's why in one sense it's almost better just to, you know, to quote the Chuck Smiths. So these guys that have lived and died with integrity, you know, and I pray they'd be a model for us as well. I told you guys before that I'm kind of praying that one day I'll be able to run a marathon, and but I'm afraid because I'm just not sure if I'm going to be able to finish. You know, Gabe was telling me that about 12 miles into it, you run a, run into a wall, you know, a wall, and I'm and I'm just so afraid of that wall, you know, and so now I, I do two miles. One day I'll do 26, you know. <laughs> But you know, um, yeah, a lot of guys, they start and they don't finish. And so may God use his word tonight. A lot of lessons, a lot of lessons. But that one, it just seems to be uh, repeated throughout these, these guys, these lessons. We see it tonight in uh, Amaziah and Uzziah. They were both considered good kings. But both of them finished, in, in one sense, uh, bringing disgrace to the way that God wanted to use their life. Look, it says in verse 1, Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Now, if you want to cross-reference, you kind of get a full picture, and you can go back to Second Kings chapter 14, 1 through 20, and you'll see the, the story of Amaziah. And you know what? Really, I think when you look at the Bible, you guys, I mean, we've got to be true to the text. He was a good king. He was considered kind of like a, a good king. And we're going to see that later. As a matter of fact, it says Uzziah served the Lord all the days of his life. He was a good king, just like his father, Amaziah. So he was a good king. But there was still something wrong with him. You know, and for us, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. God is not content with just having a part of you. God is not content with just having your Sundays and your Thursdays. 
God is not content with us holding anything back. God wants all of us. And you know, a lot of us here, we know how to go through the motions, man. We know how to, you know, talk the Christian cliche or vernacular. We know how to, whatever, put on the show. And we can kind of go through the motions. But deep down in, in our heart, we know that something's not right. God sees that. You see that? God sees that. And I'm telling you here, God, we got to go deep. I mean, this guy did the right things, but his heart wasn't loyal to the Lord. You know, it's interesting. Uh, loyalty is a big theme in, in this book. Uh, we see it over and over again in the book of Second Chronicles. You know, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, if you want to go back to Second Chronicles, look at chapter 16. And you guys know this verse, right? Verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Not just head. Oh yeah, he's orthodox. No, his heart. Not just on the outside, on the inside. He, he, God is looking. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Man, imagine him scanning. You know, and he's looking, and then he finds that one, Naomani, whose heart is loyal to him. He wants to show himself strong. I'll tell you what, we're living in days where we need God's strength. We need God's power. We need God to raise up a president. I don't know about you, maybe you gave up on our country. We can't give up on our country. You know, we got all these guys wanting to be Republican, president nomination, and I don't know which one, and we know God does, but prayerfully it's somebody with integrity, because as we're going through these books right here, we're seeing what a difference a leader makes. And so, you know, God is scanning to find someone whose heart is loyal to him, the Bible says, so that he can show himself strong. Look at chapter 19 of the same book. Chapter 19 and verse 9, it says, And he commanded them, saying, Thus you shall act in the fear of the Lord faithfully and with a loyal heart. And so, you guys, it's not enough just to do the right action. You have to have the right attitude. It's not enough, you know, you go to church and you say the right things, but you go home and you say things that are not right. It's not enough, you know, when you're out in public and, you know, you look good and everybody thinks you're like a Bill Cosby type of father. And behind there's a secret sin that's horrendous. And you think you can hide it? And don't you know the Bible says that your sin will find you out. All God wants is all of you. That's all. And I'll tell you what, it's worth it because we're going to see that when God gets all of you, man, He will bless you. Do you know that? I mean, what in the world would we be holding back anything? You know, I mean, He's just saying, okay, if I can just get all of you, I'll open the windows of heaven and rain down on you blessings that you will not have enough room to store them. And so, why are we holding back? You know, here we see back in Second Chronicles 25 that this guy Amaziah, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but it was not with a loyal heart. 
And so it says in verse 3, it happened as soon as the kingdom was established for him that he executed his servants who had murdered his father, the king. However, you know, he did not execute their children, but did as it is written in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not put to death for their children, nor shall the children be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall die for his own sin. And so you read that over in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16. And, and you know, in those days, um, usually when you were established in power, you would kill uh, those who would rise up against maybe your previous king, normally the father. You didn't want any threats. Typically, you would kill them and their children. So this is commendable, that what he does, he does it according to the scriptures. And so, you know, it, it's kind of cool in looking at this. But, but again, I think the point is, look deeper. Look deeper. God's not really all that impressed that you're dotting your I's and you're crossing your T's. And, you know, some people when they tithe, you know, it's, uh, you know, $73.64 and... You know, they're like right there, and God's really impressed with that. And when you give it, you're like, ah, but you gave it, you know. And the Lord has just seen the heart the whole time, right? I mean, all I'm saying is, is you know, it's not just the letter of the law. It's the Spirit. You guys, God wants our heart, right? And moreover, it says in verse 5, Amaziah gathered Judah together. And set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, according to their fathers' houses throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above, and found them to be 300,000 choice men, able to go to war, who could handle spear and shield. And so we're going to see both of these kings tonight. One of the cool things is that they, they, uh, they're, they're real, real strong in, in their military. You know, but I don't know about you. Uh, again, it's just something that kind of pops out at me. The, the verse there in verse 5, those three words, he numbered them. And I know the Bible doesn't say anything about it right here, you know, but man, you know, you go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 21, the Bible says Satan stood up and moved David to number the people. And I, I tell you what, you know, um, we have to be so careful. Uh, I mean, I, I read a story about one teacher who had a, a class with two students. And he had to drive an hour every week for 20 weeks to teach them. Part of him didn't want to do it. Part of him was like, man, there's only two students. What in the world am I doing this for? But something compelled him. Something moved him. And what ended up happening was in the end, one of them won the, the Nobel Prize. See, for us, I think a lot of it is just all about numbers. It's all about the big building, the big body, and the big budget. And, you know, what God is saying is that you got to be careful with that. Even for some of us here, it's all about what, how much money we have in the bank. And God's, God, God's like, man, do you realize how rich you are? You know, be careful that you don't trust in numbers. You know, we're praying about this. There's a space up there. It's like 5,000 square feet. And I'm like, Lord, that would be so cool, you know, if we can get that space. You know, because we have the high schoolers back here and they're baking 
They're literally getting sunburns. Well, no, I'm just joking. They're just, it's just crazy. And then, you know, the, the worst part about this whole thing is my wife, she stores all her women's ministry stuff in my office. And I have to kind of like go through my office. Oh, there's my desk. No, I mean, it's not that bad. But, you know, I mean, and, and the bottom line is at the end of the day, uh, all the way through for us as a church, I got to tell you this, the numbers have never added up. They never added up the first time we went to the park. They never added up the first time we got that little office over there. They didn't add up when we were here, even those classrooms over there. They never did. So, again, I, I, I'm not saying that we're going to get it because it's, it's a huge difference. But all I'm saying is that it's just not simply about the numbers. Because when it's just about the numbers, then who are you trusting in? You know, one day when we stand before the Lord, is it going to be about the numbers? No. It will be about faithfulness. And so here he's numbering them, and again, it just kind of shows uh, probably something's not right, you know, more than likely. I mean, sometimes it's just crazy. I I won't say anything, but verse 6, it says, He also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel, for 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone, be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. Again, another recurring theme that we see in Chronicles over and over again is how these guys would make ungodly alliances, you know. And one of the best kings that we see here, Jehoshaphat, had a huge problem with that. And through marriage, his son got married, and the next thing you know, he's aligned to wicked Ahab. We kind of see some of the, the trickling effects of that here. You know, he wants to go to war against Edom. He's only got 300,000 soldiers. He says, I need about another 100,000. He hires them from Israel. And and again, just kind of showing that he's not really trusting God. And what ends up happening is a man of God, he meets him and he says, you know what, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be in league with this guy right here. You know, because he's not a believer. And we've seen that in Second Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 14, where the Bible says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know, and that could be a, a dating relationship. That could be a, a, a job, you know, where you go into someone and your partners in business. That could be a, a best friend that you have that's not a Christian. Um, it could be someone in ministry that you really shouldn't be aligning yourself with. Uh, it could be so many things. Uh, we have different ways of aligning ourselves with the things or the people or the mentality of this world. And, and this is all the Lord is saying. He's saying, you know what? Uh, the man of God comes to him. Don't, don't, don't do that because God's not with them. And, and if, you're, if you align yourself with them, God won't be with you. But wait a minute. I'm a believer. That's the principle. You know, and what we find right here, you guys, is that what ends up happening is uh, he gives us a, a really heavy uh, truth at the end of verse 8. He says, For God has power to help and to overthrow. 
Remember that. Remember that. God has power to help. That's kind of like faith in God. And God has power to overthrow. That's kind of like the fear of God. And so here we are tonight, and I I wonder how you guys are doing, man. I, I wonder if there's anyone here who needs help. Anyone here? You need help, right? Because I, I know some of you, especially you guys are pretty messed up, man. And, um, and, and we, need, we just need help. You know, I, I think of help and I, I think of kind of like the first time in the Bible um, of uh, help. And I think of my, my wife. She's a wonderful helper. Where would I be without my wife? And you guys know I'd be in big trouble, right? You know, and, and yet, you know, you continue on and you read through the scriptures and, and the Bible does say the help of man is useless. Ultimately, who's our helper? It's the Lord, right? Turn over to Psalm 72. In verse 12. How, how do you get the help? I mean... You know, here you're going to go against Edom and you've got a war going on and, and, and am, am I going to win this battle? You know, you're going against the enemy. You're going against the demons that have uh, actually strategized while you're sleeping. They've planned and they've tried to find your greatest vulnerability. You're going against them and, and, and we're no match for them. And so how can we win in our marriage How can we win with our children? How can we win with the calling on our life? How can we win to to win the world for Christ? How? I think God is looking for people who know know, how to get his help. And, And the way that it begins in verse 12 of Psalm 72, For he will deliver the needy when he cries. The poor also, and him who has... No helper. Now, sometimes people say, "Well, I'm all alone," and you know, I just, I, I, and, you know, you're number one. You're, you know, you you're probably not alone. You just, you know, call up your brother. You talk to somebody. You open up. You're a little transparent about maybe the weakness or the challenge or things that are going on in your life. And I'm not saying they're going to give you money. I'm not saying they're going to give you the answer, but they'll pray for you. But not only that, I mean, you guys. I don't know if you how your prayer life is. I mean, how is your prayer life? I mean, don't tell me you're just flipping one up once in a while and then you go watch Leave It to Beaver. Now, Leave It to Beaver is good. But, you know, God will help us when we cry. And, you know, when our kids cry, remember when they were babies? We knew their cries, right? Oh, that one right there, they're just being a brat. That one right there, they just want food. That one right there, they need their diaper changed. This one right here, they're in trouble. They're desperate. And, I, and you know, one of the things that was always instilled within me growing up in my walk with the Lord, my pastor would always tell me that God wants to use your life. He would always say it over and over again. You know, and, and what that did is it just put within me a desire to cry, a desire to pray, and it's still there. You know, um, 
I know we're, we're not like, you know, the mega church. And, and I don't know the plans that God has for us. But I do know that he can save with many or with few. And I do know that we're shooting for the stars. I do know that we're praying that God would save whatever all 120,000 inhabitants of Almani. That the whole nation of Cambodia would get saved. Going down to Mexico. All those types of things. That God would bring an awakening. That God would bring a revival. You know, there's, there's simple ways to pray. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. There's three words. Real simple. Number one, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness of your sins. Okay, you go to him, and not just with, a, we talked about it on Sunday, with an ungodly sorrow, but with a godly sorrow, you go and you examine your life, search me, Lord, know me, try me, see if there's any wicked way in me, and, and that I'm sorry, let there be that confession, let there be that forgiveness that God would give to you as you examine your life in the light of his holiness. And then the second word is thank you. Thank you. And what that does is when you begin to thank the Lord for all the blessings He's given you, what does that lead up into? Worship. You know, I'll be honest with you. When I'm running on my treadmill, I'm thanking God that I can do this. I'm, I'm thanking God, Lord, thank you that I can run. Because I know all it takes is one. At my age, oh, man. All it takes is one little thing. Next thing you know, the hip doesn't work anymore or something, you know. I'm just thanking God for my wife, my kids, my family, my life, another day. We have another day. You know, uh, real simple prayers. I'm sorry, thank you, and help. Help. And then there's the Holy Spirit. If you go over to John chapter 14. This is interesting, you know. Jesus is, is leaving and, uh, and, and he says in verse 16, And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. You know, and what it's kind of like uh, in the Greek language, another of the same kind. Jesus was with his disciples and man, he took care of them. He took care of them. But he was leaving and the Holy Spirit was coming. And what he's saying is that I'm going to pray the Father is going to give another just like me. So do you know you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and he's here to help you. Help you do what? Help you treat your wife right. Help you to say the right things, to do the right things, to pray, to be in the word with passion, to go out and witness, evangelize, fulfill that ministry, whatever it is. But the key is you got to cry. And when you cry, when you pray, then there's the helper. And he's just like Jesus. It's so cool. If you look over at verse 26, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And so... You know, the helper is going to help us. And I always tell people, kind of like two ways, he'll teach you and he'll touch you. He'll teach you the word of God. 
And he'll you know, kind of show you what to do based on what the Bible says. And then he will give you the power to do that. You see? And that's what the helper does. He's our helper. He's just like Jesus, right? He's come. And then if you go over to chapter 15, verse 26, look what happens. In John chapter 15, verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So it's interesting, he's teaching them all things, and and theologians tell us more than likely that means he's going to tell the apostles the whole New Testament, he's going to give them the fullness of the canon of Scripture, but it's more than that, he's also our teacher, and what we find is that he teaches us about Jesus. And here we are tonight, and it's uh, you know a couple of thousand years later, and we're facing the things that we're facing. Some of us here need a job. Some of us here, you know, we're praying, Lord, I, I sure would, you know, maybe like to get involved in ministry or do it effectively. Sometimes we see guys maybe even, and it's not a bad thing. You want a wife? You want a husband? Is that bad? I, I don't think it's bad. Of course, it's got to be in God's timing and you got to seek first the kingdom of God. But one day, right, when he gets you ready, you're ready, and then God brings your helper, and the Holy Spirit, He does a work. You know, I don't know, I just, I just see a lot of guys, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, and, and a lot of times, there's, that, there's not that victory. And I think that a lot of times, it's because they're, they're just not accessing the help that God has provided. You guys, we've got to know that with God... All things are possible. You know, we have to walk by faith. Back in Second Chronicles 25, he says, I, I want you to know this, King Amaziah. God has power to help. And then you need to know this, that he has power to overthrow. And that, what that does is it gives me faith. And then it, it gives me fear. And we'll, we'll talk about that more as we go through this chapter. And so it says in verse 9, Then Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Because remember, he had hired the hundred thousand troops from Israel um, some people say it was right around maybe the modern day equivalent of one point two million dollars. That's not I don't know if that's not necessarily chump change, right? Um and he's like, Well what about the money? And a lot of people that's just the bottom line, right? And you see sometimes people even compromising as a result of the money. And then the Lord what you know what he's doing, you guys? He's testing you. He's testing you. And if you choose God over your money, then you know what he, he'll find? A lot of times is he'll find somebody that he can bless financially because they've been good stewards. Now, I'm not saying if you, you know, are, are a good steward that necessarily you're always going to be rich because some of you here, I know you buy lottery tickets and stuff, but I mean, <laughs> the reason you don't win is because you can't handle it. We can't handle it. I don't think I could handle it. I know if I got a, a lot, if I won the lottery, I would give you know to the Lord, and I would buy a, a new Dodge Charger. I already know that, or 
or a new Mustang or something, or, you know, I mean, hey, man, he's got the nice shoes on and whatever, man. And, you know, what am I going to be doing in that car? You know, what is that? I don't know, it's a chick magnet. I mean, I don't know. You got to be really careful with stuff like that, right? I tell you what, my 1992 Toyota truck, it doesn't turn anyone's head. <laughs> and so, you know, the Lord knows what we can handle, right? And so, you know, all I am saying, though, is that if, if man, you can handle it, and if you show yourself to be a good steward, uh, I just tell you what, this is it. The, the bottom line is God will always provide for your needs. Don't compromise in, in mammon and filthy lucre and money. I mean, it's nothing. I'm here, you know, he's tempted, like, I don't know if I should do the right thing because it's going to cost you $1.2 million. Absolutely. You know, you do the right thing. And so what ends up happening, he says, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. I think of, of Chuck Smith. I remember the story. I, I almost like, I mean, like, I just, I couldn't believe it. A man came up to him one day and he said, uh, the Lord, you know, kind of laid it on my heart and I'll give you a million dollars. And I, and I told you guys that if someone told me that, I would say, okay, yeah, let's go right here before you change your mind, right? Because I, I could use that for the Lord, man. But what it, Chuck said, no. I mean, he prayed about it and he said, no. And God ended up just blessing that man. I mean, there's, I mean, the buildings and the campuses all around the world and the ministries. Because God will test us. And we can compromise in sometimes the most smallest ways, but they're huge. This guy right here, he ends up, you know, doing the right thing, kind of, uh, even though he should have never started it to begin with and he's going to pay for it. But look, it says in verse 10, so Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim to go back home, and therefore their anger was greatly aroused against Judah, and they returned home in, in great anger. He tells the soldiers, say, hey, we don't need you after all. So they were upset with that, probably because they were counting not only on that money, but they were counting on the plunder that they would get through the war, right? And so it says in verse 11 that Amaziah strengthened himself and Leading his people, he went to the valley of salt and killed 10,000 of the people of Seir. Also, the cities of Judah took captive 10,000 alive and brought them to the top of the rock and, and cast them down from the top of the rock so that they were all dashed in pieces. And you got to know the sins that these uh, countries were involved in, you know, and you, and you just, you know, you got to like, wow, that's crazy that... But the victory that God will give to the righteous over the wicked. This is what Amaziah experienced. And I'll tell you what, you guys. It's an opportunity for a new beginning. It really is. But we're going to see, unfortunately, that he doesn't seize that opportunity. You know, remember what the, the passage we read earlier? Uh, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. When God shows himself strong on your behalf, now it's an opportunity for us to tap into that. You know, what, what should happen to us if God uses our life? Let's just say we're going to do an outreach right here in our sale park, right? 
And let's just say I call on you and I say, hey, man, can you go up there and give your testimony? And, and can you please share the amazing story that God has done in your life? And then afterwards, I want you to make an altar call so that people will get saved. Okay? So you just say you do that, and man, a hundred people get saved. What will that do to you? For most people, it will make them proud. But for those who know the Lord and they understand these things that we're talking about, it will humble them. That's the intention. The intention is that whenever God would use my life, that, you, that, that we would be humbled. And, and I think the reason is, is because we know who we really are. I mean, there's not a person here, and I know you guys are awesome, and you know you guys are, are a blessing, and, and I know for a fact that you guys are, are way better than, than me. I, I know that, not, you know. But man, you're, you're a sinner. You're all messed up, man. I mean, just... I remember Greg, he taught me one thing. He said, any true experience with God, if you ever really encounter God, you will walk away convicted because of who we are. So if God ever uses my life, man, may it humble us. But these guys right here, what ended up happening? <laughs> this guy, he just went haywire. Look at verse 13. But as for the soldiers of the army, which Amaziah had discharged so that they would not go with him to battle, they raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Haran, killed 3,000 in them and took much spoil. Just as a quick side note, that right there is a result of sin. We can get forgiven. But we will always reap what we sow. These guys didn't have to die. He should have never even hired those guys to begin with. And so these crazy things happening. The enemy is going to use this. Watch what happens in verse 14. That was so. After Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the people of Seir set them up to be his gods and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah. And he sent him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? I mean, you guys are following, are you following the story so far? You know, isn't it crazy? He goes and they defeat Edom. It's totally the Lord. Right? He follows the instructions of the man of God. And then what does he do? He goes and he sees the altars there in Edom and Seir and he, and he, and he brings them home, so to speak, and he bows down to, to their gods? How foolish that is. And yet so many people we see today bowing down to the god of mammon, money. I mean, seriously, do you think money will make you happy? No, just a little more. You know, it will make me happy. It'll always be just a little more. And Lord, just a, a million. Just a million. And then I'll be cool, right? And you know what ended up happening? You're going to have a whole bunch of headaches. And you got guys jumping out of buildings. And you got people, you know, committing suicide. And, you know, just, you know, 
sex or drugs or whatever, you know, and, and what's it doing? It's so crazy the way that we see people going after the gods of, of this age, the very gods that have displayed the fact they cannot fill the void within us. Only God can. But when this guy does that, it's just crazy. The, the Lord tries to reach him just like, you know, he tries to reach us. And, and so in verse 16, however, it says, So it was to talk with him that the king said to him, Have, have we made you the king's counselor? Cease. Why should you be killed? Then the prophet ceased and said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not heeded my advice. And so one of the prophets comes and he tries to get him right, right? And, and he's like, be quiet. You know, who made you the counselor? You know, should I kill you? And, and, and what this is, and we'll talk about it more when we get to Uzziah, but at the end of the day, it's the root of all sin, pride. Pride. When you're prideful, you will not listen to the counsel of others. When you're prideful, you will never allow yourself be, to be corrected. And we're going to see that even later with Uzziah. And so, um, you know, they, 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 it's, it's interesting in, in verse 16 that the prophet did be quiet. And, and, and I don't think it was because he wasn't bold. I, I think that what happened was he realized what the Lord was doing. And that's why he says right there, I, I know that God has determined. Think about this. God has determined to destroy you because you have not you've done this you haven't heeded my advice now does that trip you out it should trip you out <laughs> earlier we read in verse 8 the man and God told them God has power to help you and to overthrow and so man now King Amaziah has reached that point where he's resisted the Holy Spirit. He's crossed the line and now God has a plan. I'm going to make an example of you. And it's a heavy, heavy, heavy warning. So we read in verse 17, Now Amaziah, king of Judah, asked advice and sent to Joash, the son of Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come and let us face one another in battle. And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, the thistle, you guys know how little a thistle is, right? That was in Lebanon. He sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon saying, give your daughter, like he's commanding him, right? Give your daughter to my son as wife. And then a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and just trampled the thistle, man. You know, just like, man, just stepped on it. And he says, indeed, you say that you have defeated the Edomites and your heart is lifted up to boast. Stay at home now. Why should you meddle with trouble that you should fall? You and Judah with you. But Amaziah would not heed. Again, here it comes. For it came from God that he might give them into the hand of their enemies. Why? Because they sought the gods of Edom. You know, and now it's like Pharaoh. 
You know, that's why it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to harden your hearts. What does the Bible say? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. You know, and I'm learning this more and more, you know. Um, you know, the, the struggles that we have, you know, a lot of times it's in marriage, you know, where husbands, uh, you know, they're not loving their wife as Christ loves the church and, you know, giving himself for her. And we struggle with that or wives. Uh, I don't, you guys don't struggle with submission, do you? I don't know. Um, I tell you what, when, when, when things are done God's way, the, the house is in such harmony, such holiness, such beauty, such love. You know, and if you're hearing that voice of the Holy Spirit and you say, hey, Manny, I want you to get over here and I want you to, you know, whatever, do this with your son, your daughter. I want you to be reading the, the scriptures in, in this way or praying this way or doing this or that or the other. You know, you listen to the voice of the Lord. You know, I don't know about you guys that are here tonight because usually when you come to a midweek service, you're more right on, more than likely. But there might be one or two or maybe three of you, I don't know, maybe there's some, that there's something going on in your life. You know, there's some type of sin. I mean, just straight out, open rebellion. I'm not talking about our struggle. We all we all struggle and we stumble. You know, we get up and we're trying, but... But if there's someone here tonight that, you know, your the Holy Spirit has been telling you something, and He's just saying, "I love you, I love you. Don't live in sexual sin. It'll ruin you. I love you, I love you. You know, let there be no pride." And I shared with you guys before. That's probably one of my struggles uh, the most is when my wife corrects me. You know, and, and, and but she's just right on. Boom. How many husbands here like to be corrected by their wives? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> you know, and, and right away, you know, your flesh is, what? I'm the head of this house. Well, I know the Bible better than you do. <laughs> and then the Lord just, many just stops you in your tracks. You know, I mean, I tell you what, I've been corrected by so many people. And I learned. At first I used to be like, what? But then I learned to just stop and to listen. And and what we find right here in this chapter is that these guys, man, they were they were filled with pride and they and as a result of that they, they started off so well, but they ended so bad. Look what happens. In, in defeat, it says right here in verse 21, um, so Joash, king of Israel, went out, and he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another in Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. Then Joash, the king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, at Beth Shemesh, and he brought him to Jerusalem. As you can almost picture him just dragging him, man. And he broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate 
uh, 400 cubits. That's that's huge. It's, uh, you know, 500 some feet. And he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were found in the house of God with Obed-Edom, the treasures of the king's house, and hostages, and returned to Samaria. See, and this is what happens when we won't listen to the Lord. You know, I've been a Christian now, I don't know, 1989, I got saved. And I, I you know, this, it's been a blessing. My, my life, I've been so blessed by God. But I, I will tell you that I am, I am, I'm more hungry for holiness now than I think I've ever been. I want the Lord. I want Him so bad, you know, in my life. You know, because it's not like, well, I've been a Christian for whatever, you know, 37 years and I've arrived and it just doesn't work that way. And 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 part of the reason is because you can let your guard down and you can go back to your own ways and doing your old things and hang out with the same people, listening to the same music, doing all that crazy stuff. You go back to your vomit, back to your bad habits because, you know, God's grace, right? And what ends up happening is is you end up suffering a defeat like this. I mean, look at the things that, that happened. They, they broke down the walls of Jerusalem. So now there's... There's no protection. I mean, when you know the Lord was talking about Job and Satan goes up to him and says, Hey, the reason why I can't touch him is because you got a big old hedge around him. And so, you know, the Lord's brought down the hedge a little bit, but sometimes we bring down the hedge. Because we're not living a life of absolute surrender to God, compromise. Not a loyal heart. The walls get torn down. That's how God protects us. That's for God's glory. Imagine your, your life if you didn't have any, any walls. You couldn't lock your doors. Imagine that. You know, there was a time, uh, some of you here remember, where you didn't have to lock your doors. Now we've got to lock our doors. You know, because people come up, they pretend like they're salesmen. They pretend like they're Boy Scouts or whatever, and they're not. Right? I mean, no walls. Secondly, no wealth. The, the treasures. They took the treasures, it says in verse 24. And so, what ends up happening is the things that, that God wanted to, to bless you with, I think of the boundaries and the blessings, you, you just forfeited them. Why? Because we lived in sin. And then the worst of all, it says right there, Hostages. So you lose your protection. You lose your provision. And you lose people. And of course, the people one is the worst of all. People that suffer because of our compromise. It's not worth it, you guys. It's just not worth it. I pray that in reading this right here that the Lord would really speak to us and we would learn the, the lessons. You know, don't let the pride get to you. You know, don't 
think that you can go up against, you know, whatever, you know, and put yourself in that situation, you know, when you really can. And, you know, don't think that because, you know, God used you now or whatever that you're not, you know, you can't be corrected or you can't be counseled. I mean, I mean, I thank God for the, the correction and the counsel that, that my wife gives me now. I didn't used to. I didn't used to, but now, and because she, she's, she's so like, uh, consistent with it, man. And, and she's like, you know, and I, and I say this, and I hope that she doesn't mind me saying this because I thank God for her, but she's just faithfully relentless. Faithfully relentless. You're my husband. I'm your wife. And we're serving the Lord together. And we will do this to the best of our ability. And if I see you, honey, going to the right or to the left, I'm bringing out my rod of correction, man. And I try to tell her that the same thing, but mine's more like, you know, soft, I think. And so, you know, real quick, I, we're not going to be able to do the, the second chapter here. Um, let me just say a few things about pride because, you know, that's the worst, that's the ugliest one of all is pride. Um, Proverbs sixteen eighteen it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that the pastor of the largest Calvary Chapel fell. It's a lesson, right? And it can happen to the small ones too. But, you know, when God blesses, may it humble us. D.L. Moody said, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. The Talmud says, he who knows everything has a lot to learn. How many of you here know everything? Or you know somebody who knows everything? <laughs> you know how that is, right? C.S. Lewis said this, Pride is the ground, I'm sorry, pride is spiritual cancer. It eats the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. It's so true, huh? And that, that was their problem. We're going to see um, next time that we gather together, Uzziah, the same thing. It was just pride lifted up. And so may God, may he really teach us that lesson. Um, it, real briefly, it closes in verse 25. Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. But nothing happened. In 15 years, nothing happened, right? Now, the rest of the Acts of Amaziah from first to last, indeed, uh, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? Check this out. After the time that Amaziah turned away from following the Lord. That's ugly. I underlined that in my Bible. He turned away. John six sixty six. From that time, they went. They didn't walk with him no more. James 5, the last two verses. They turn away. Be careful. And they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, but they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. And then they brought him on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of David. And yet the Bible says he was a good king. I have a feeling it was one of those stories of a 
of a lot, a lot like lot, maybe a, a saved soul and a wasted life. Three times the Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. We have it in Proverbs 3.34, in the book of James, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Why do you think it's there three times? Because he just wants to repeat it, huh? He wants us to make sure we got this one clear. Um, how many of you here are humble, just out of curiosity? I was joking. You, <laughs> you guys stay humble. Stay usable. Man, resist pride. Flee it with everything you are. And let's have faith in God, man. He is able to help us. Amen? Amen. So you better start crying. Lord, we thank you so much. Uh, just uh, I think of uh, how you're, you told uh, Jesus, you said, my father's always working, always working. And I know you're working today in the lives of your beautiful people. You're working in this world that we live in. God, we want it to be you to do the work in us and, and through us, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that we would just walk in that strength. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord, tonight that all those that are believers, they would finish well. Lord, help them to finish strong. And Lord, I also pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, Lord, just in case, they would know you love them. But they would know, Lord, that their sins have separated them from you. And your word says the wages of sin is death. But that gift of God, that gift that you want to give them tonight to wash away their sins and give them heaven when they die and freedom and forgiveness, Lord, is all found in Jesus. Lord, I pray that today would be the day, tonight would be the night, Lord, that they would turn from their sins and trust in Jesus as a Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, do that work, I pray, with all my heart. Lord, we love you, we thank you. I pray you bless tonight. As we close in this song of worship, God, capture our hearts and do a great and new work. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.